0: This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. I'm a culture and trend strategist, researcher of all things hunter-gatherer, and I'm devoted to healing the divide between men and women. So if you like what you hear and you're on Team Unite Venus and Mars, then join me in growing the movement by hitting subscribe. Now let's get straight into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Venus and Mars podcast. You've got your host, Anya Shack here, and today I'm going to do a little solo episode I have something on my heart and I want to do more of these solo episodes just moving forward, but today I want to just get right into it. I want to talk about the very controversial topic that is, what is a woman? Okay, it's Venus and Mars. My intention is always to bring men and women closer together and we've got to define womanhood. Um, It seems that in this cultural moment of 2023, we all like all the adults of the Western world are unable to answer this question in public when asked, what is a woman? Because there are a lot of ideologies and um, other elements that are going on that I think are clouding people's judgment when it comes to understanding biological sex. And I really want to get into that. So just to outline things real quick, um, today I just really want to get out a couple of psychological theories that I've learned that can help kind of explain what's happening in the culture and why we can't answer this question. I'm also going to talk about a movement that is important to understand uh, and also relates to why we can't answer this question. And then at the very end, I'm going to answer this question in the way that I see it, and um, yeah, I just want to kind of roll through this stuff, maybe 15 ish, 20 minutes. So let's just go for it. I recently learned about a couple of psychological theories. Okay, they they were like such aha moments for me. So number one is called the chilling effect, and Gerwinder Bogle is someone I follow on Twitter and his Substack. He writes a lot of incredible um pieces around like the digital world and how it's messing with us as humans. So the chilling effect is actually when punishment for what people say becomes really widespread. People just stop saying what they really think. So they say whatever's needed to thrive in the social environment at the time. So those limits on free speech are actually not limits on free speech, they're just limits on free sin- on sincerity, right? So people still believe what they believe they're just not saying it in public they're just saying it in private um lots of examples to this of course nazi germany stalin's ussr um really important to just recall that right the fear of punishment then was death for saying something that wasn't you know something that wasn't um accepted in the social environment um then there's a second theory. Okay, so it's called the Abilene Paradox. Um, the Abilene Paradox essentially is when everyone professes a belief that no one else believes just because they think everyone else believes it. So people think others believe it. They think, okay, let's not rock the boat. And the result is that on a mass scale, everyone thinks that everyone believes something that they don't believe at all. And because we're such creatures of social conformity, we think, well, I must be wrong if everyone else believes this. And no one believes it. And so lots of insane situations happen when we allow ourselves to experience both of these effects, okay? Both the chilling effect where punishment is widespread for saying something that's not popular, and then the abling paradox when you think that everyone believes something that they don't in fact believe, but people just don't say what's really on their mind. Um, And so this all brings me to this moment, which is, what is an example of that in our modern 2023 world? Well, it's what a woman is. Like the chilling effect and the Abelene paradox are in such full force that everyone's kind of like pretending that this really simple, simple question is really hard to answer. Um, and I'm going to answer it. I think it's really important. And I am super inspired by the work of Colin Wright. He's an evolutionary biologist. So based on listening to him and reading his work, I have thought about the problem. (laughs) And the problem is that we are unable to draw a line in the sand in the distinction between sex and expression. Okay and the line needs to be drawn between biological sex and like psychological expression disposition the way i the way i am the way i want to present the way i want to express myself okay and the thing is is we're essentially born on this like bell curve okay and it's actually two bell curves if you think about one bell curve and then another one overlapping it each of these bell curves are males and females Like this is a binary and the word binary just means a system that has two parts. So biological sex is a binary. And, you know, we're born on these, on these, uh, along this bell curve, but the bell curves are kind of positioned. Imagine they're positioned on like a big wall and the wall is like from left to right. It's quite, it's like a spectrum, so depending on where you fall on, on any of these two bell curves, you're you're at a different place in the spectrum. And the spectrum really goes from masculine to feminine disposition or psychology or way of being. Um, and the idea and why it's important that, you know, this is a bell curve is that most people are at the top of the bell curve, right? Like the, big, the tallest point of the bell curve, but not everybody. Not everybody is at the top of the bell curve. So The idea is that most men are born with a masculine disposition, um, like 80%-ish, based on the research. And most women are born with a feminine disposition, like they want to be feminine, they want to feel feminine, all of those things. But not everybody, right? Some women are born with a more masculine disposition, even more so than some males. And some men are born with a feminine disposition, even more feminine than some females, right? And that's totally okay and beautiful. Um, and interestingly enough, there is a civilization in Indonesia called the Bugis. They've been around for thousands of years. They're still alive today. They actually have a system in their culture where they celebrate the masculine men and the feminine women, but they also have spaces in their society for the more feminine men and the more masculine women to, to be a part of their society. Like they make this choice based on their disposition. um, And then they they go and be a part of the society in that way. So for example, the feminine men end up being like, this is kind of stereotypical, but they end up being hairdressers or wedding planners. Like they exhibit a lot of feminine qualities, even more so than some women. And that's great. I think about a lot of like the gay men dancing in parades. Like this is a beautiful thing. And then the, the more masculine women end up actually taking on the roles of protector and provider, like for some of the women whose husbands have died, for some of the women whose husbands got sick, these masculine women step in and like fulfill these roles of very provisional uh providership and, and all of that. Really cool. Okay. This is not something we were able to do in our culture um ever, right? So we made being a masculine girl and being a feminine boy wrong in many instances. And I think that is one of the major problems. Um, But on the other side, there are plenty of situations where being a feminine boy and being a masculine girl was totally celebrated and totally fine. So it just depends on where you, where you look. The point is, is that. The trans movement is. Confusing the sex and expression distinction, okay? One of the most important truths comes from actually this uh, woman, Dr. Miriam Grossman. I follow her. She's a psychologist. She's an author. um, She's an advocate for gender-confused youth. She's got research that says only eight out of 100,000 young people may not feel comfortable in their skin as they start to grow up, okay? Like as they're preteens and teens, Of these eight, most of their issues are handled psychologically, okay? Only one, maybe two of this 100,000, okay, will actually decide that transitioning as an adult, as a fully-fledged adult, is the right choice for them, okay? Because this this person suffers true gender dysphoria, okay? Okay? huge gigantic choice to, to, to do this. And I, and I respect this. And, um, it it's, I can't imagine what that's like. Right. I actually follow someone named Buck Angel. I think he is incredible. Um, this is a biological female has been living as a man for decades, but he still refers to himself as a female living as a man, right. Acknowledging the difference between his sex and and how he chooses to express himself. Um, This is a super, super rare exception. Um, Most people do not suffer from gender dysphoria. And this entire movement of trans and kids and teenagers being told that they're neither gender or they're born in the wrong body or all these things, they were assigned the wrong thing at birth. It's just utter and complete nonsense. And it's, it's it's for profit, um, most of it. It's a trend, and it's for profit. Most of these young teens um, are suffering mental health issues. They're suffering body image issues, like we all did, except we, those of us who were teens and kids before the internet, and especially before social media, we didn't have all of the bullying and all of the cyberbullying and all of the comparisons and all of the crazy difficult things that are happening, um, for teens and kids right now. Like, I can't imagine what being 12 must've been like, must be like today, you know? And so there's so much preying on the, the fragile, fragile psyches of these children. And you guys, like the, I'm just, I'm seeing the results. I'm seeing the data and like, For example, some of these surgeries, like vaginoplasty, some of these surgeries, I'm seeing the like incline of what was going on in 2009 to now. It's like an insane, it's an insane jump, okay? It's an exponential rise in all of these surgeries that are happening. And I actually, I'm just going to open up my folder because I have some data, I have some data that I want to share because I think data is super important. So let me, oh yeah, okay. The market size value for these reassignment surgeries in 2020, just two years ago, was $304.8 million. The revenue forecast for these surgeries for 2027 is $781.8 million. You guys, that's like over double. The fertility market, right? Because what are the two for both males and females? What are the two side effects from these surgeries? It's infertility, okay? And if you look at the fertility market stats and data, in 2020, the fertility market was valued at $26 billion. In 2027, it's projected to be valued at $45 billion. So, yeah, just going on a bit of a tangent for that, but not really. I think it's so important to understand all of that. And so, you know, in summary, I think it's a difficult topic. It's a really difficult topic, but you know, these kids there's so much trauma there. There's so much low self-worth. Um, I recently read uh, Gabor Mate's book, Hold On To Your Kids, and he talks about how we're living in a time where parents are completely disconnected from their intuition on how to be a parent, right? They're they're scared of parenting. And um, there's such a disconnect going on. And all this like snowplow parenting now is going on, which I heard this uh, recently, this phrase, it's like next after helicopter parenting. It's where all the the parents go in and remove all obstacles from kids lives and it's just it's not good for kids and um these kids need love and they need to be their their self-esteem needs to be built um and you know there's another statistic that's really really important that i really want to just highlight um a quarter of the part of participants that um were doing. A, there was a, one of the doctors I follow. She essentially had a hundred people that were detransitioners that ended up changing their minds. Which eighty five percent of of kids and teens do change their mind. Eighty five percent. Okay. Um, they expressed internalized homophobia and difficulty accepting themselves as lesbian or gay or bisexual so what did i what did I say before about the expression about the gender and like or the spectrum of um of expression so many of these feminine boys or masculine girls like they're they're just gay or lesbian, and oh my God, we've come so far in this like in the movement for gay and lesbian people to to have marriages and to like be accepted and loved in society and to be themselves, to be accepted for exactly who they are. Like I am a man or I am a woman and I'm attracted to a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. And it's just like, there's been so much, we've achieved so much for that. And then to completely like deny kids to fall in love with themselves through emotional support and guidance and building up their self-esteem To just affirm their identity based on a feeling or an idea or something their friend said? Because remember, I just told you, parents aren't parenting through their intuition. There's a distrust of parents. So what Gabor Mate was saying in that book was that kids are now experiencing like peer parenting. They're going to their peers in the way that they were going to their parents 60, 70 years ago and so there is a complete disconnect of that respect of the elder and what's best for you it's 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 really ludicrous like right we don't let kids drive cars okay we don't let kids smoke or drink we don't let kids do so many things because they're not cognitively able to make decisions that are mindful and We're allowing them to, to cut up their bodies and sterilize their bodies. It's so heartbreaking for me. And it's, it leads me to this like place where I've been, I've been wanting to go with this episode and just to really be, I'm just like so passionate about this, this idea of womanhood, right? If just anybody, because they feel like it can be a woman, what is a woman? Right? When something no longer can be defined, it loses all meaning. That's the whole point of language. That's the whole point of defining things. So womanhood. Womanhood is sacred. It's sacred. It's sacred. It's sacred. Okay? And feminine qualities and feminine disposition and the desire to do feminine things or be feminine or experience that has nothing to do with being a woman. It's like most women are feminine but but anyone can experience femininity, but not everyone can experience what it means to be a woman. And you know there's so much sacredness in womanhood that women have barely even scratched the surface, you know, women womanhood has been denigrated in a lot of Western civilizations this idea that masculinity manhood is is superior right the the intuition the the slowness the menstrual cycle the the ability to give birth and nurture all these beautiful things about womanhood has been, devalued and so me- in so much of our culture that we are now like reclaiming that as women. Like, what does it mean to be a woman? And so, you know, I've kind of gone through what I see is so important in appreciating and loving gay people and all that they've achieved and helping kids love themselves and just be comfortable with themselves and and be okay with whether they're straight or they're gay. And that's just really it. And then here we are and I I I went through those stats around um the fertility market and the gender reassignment surgery markets and just like the insane projected growth for these industries and the and the profits that so many people are now making off of these industries and it really just like saddens me. And so I've come to this place where, like I told you guys at the beginning, I'm going to define what is a woman. Because to me, it's simple and it's clear as day. Anyone can be feminine. Anyone can express their femininity. But a woman is an adult human female. An adult human female with a vagina, a uterus, a vulva, ovaries, eggs, breasts, the ability to give birth and breastfeed if she chooses to a sacred woman. The definition is super simple. And and that's kind of where I want to end. It's been right about 20 minutes. So, here we go. Um I hope you guys have enjoyed, you know, just listening to a little bit about where I've been at with this topic and it's complex, it's nuanced. Oh my gosh, I would love to have Buck Angel or anyone else that is transsexual and To talk to them. Um, But like I said before, I respect Buck in so many ways. Like what a what a huge, gigantic, profound choice to make as an adult, right? As an adult that is like, I am one of those people that has gender dysphoria. But to, but to do, but to like sterilize children that have no idea what this even means, it's it's child abuse. And it's a it's a denigration of 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 our biological sex and what that means and um reproduction and and union right and union um so that's where i'm at with this and um i'm going to keep doing research and Maybe I'll be wrong about certain things and maybe I'll have to correct myself in the future if more research comes in. But as it stands now, 85% of teenagers change their minds. Europe, Europe, countries like Italy, Spain, the UK are going back on their gender reaffirming surgery uh, laws, for, especially for minors, because they realize that uh, suicides are actually going up, right. As opposed to going down, which in the States, um, legislators have like kicked in their heels around that. And it's been a really interesting time. Um, and I'm going to keep researching and keep getting better and keep learning more, but this matters so much to me. Um, and it's, it's a question of what's wrong and what's right here for sure with kids. So love you all and until next time.